seconds of show prep we've had hours to think about this yeah this is how we do it around here ladies and gentlemen my name is matt rory and i am a co-host on careless whispers which is what you're listening to right now on clns media my other co-host of course the one and only calvin chamberlain calvin we start tonight with the celtics but is there anything else you'd like to say before we get started anything at all yeah i'd I just want to point out that I was on time. That at 6 p.m. I was on the line and ready to go. 100% on time. I it's yeah. It's it's uh once in a lifetime. This is we should mark this one down. October 9th, 2018. Calvin was on time. Very That's nice. Off. Thank you. Just like I wrote down so. that gentleman's phone number last week, I'm going to write this down as well. October 9th. This is good good radio right here. Calvin on time. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> anyway, speaking of being on time, uh, I hope the Celtics game shows up on time to for them to start the season because they look like crap in the preseason. And we all know it doesn't matter. It's just a preseason. But there is one thing that does sort of interest me about the preseason, and it's the only uh, the only story that's on anyone's minds right now as far as the Celtics are concerned, because nobody's talking about the Celtics. Everybody's talking about the Red Sox and the Patriots, and nobody, and the Bruins just started, so people are talking about them. But, uh, I mean, aside from people on this network, you don't hear Celtics talk going around the, the airwaves here in Boston too much anymore, um, or right now anyway. So... The thing that intrigues me about the preseason is the fire in the belly of Marcus Smart. And, man, did he take a cheap shot on J.R. Smith the other night against the Cavs. For anyone that didn't see it, J.R. Smith was locked up with Aaron Baines in the post. Baines uh, had position on him as far as I could see. And who knows who locked up who first. I don't know if you may have seen that or not. But they were they had their arms locked up. J.R. Smith doing everything he could to try and hold down Aaron Baines, which clearly is impossible. Uh a foul was called, I believe, on Smith. And they they got tangled up, and there was a little bit of a scrum. And flying in from the, the other end of the court, out of nowhere, Marcus Smart, double forearm to the back of J.R. Smith. Then they had a fake fight uh, with no real punches thrown. Marcus Smart fined 25000 J.R. Smith fined 15000 They also had a Twitter fight. If, I don't know if you saw that, Calvin. They went back and forth on Twitter yeah. at, at each other a little bit. Or maybe, I don't know if Smart actually tweeted something, but uh, there was a, a video out there of Marcus Smart saying that J.R. Smith should meet him in the back. And uh, J.R. Smith yeah. tweeted the person who put that video out there and said, forget about the back, whatever, meet me in the street. 
And so there's there's a feud brewing here between Marcus Smart and J.R. Smith. What do you think? Is this anything to, to care about? And does this give Cleveland a little juice? Are they going to be a playoff team that actually wins a round? Or are they just going to toil in misery as usual and this will go away? I mean, it's too bad that the Cavs, we haven't done any predictions yet, but it's too bad that the Cavs are probably going to suck, right? Because this would be so much more of a, if LeBron was still in the Cavs, this would be so much more interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like it's going to really have any application to the season. But yeah, I, I did see uh, them get tangled up, and I'm not sure who, I kind of feel like it might have been Jay originally who tangled them, but JR is like his outrage was actually on Bane because Bane's like trying to separate, like turned his back, but because he had JR's arm hooked, he kind of like pulled his arm uh, over his body a little bit in a way that like could have pulled his arm out of the socket. And I think of that's what JR like reacted to angrily. And then, yeah. And then Marcus Smart obviously came in and took his cheek shot. Um, not that big of a deal because he didn't, if he had hit him with like a punch or something legit, then it would be a different thing like that. Yeah, not the best. And I did see the video, the Marcus Smart video of, of him. Uh, or I don't know if it was like the same one that you saw, because the one I saw was kind of like him talking before just some press where he's like, he's like, I'm not no punk. Uh, like yeah. You can ask around about me. Uh, yeah, he can meet me in the back if he wants. So it's probably right. the same one. But Yes. Jared Smith responded to that on Twitter. Yeah. And he's like, meet me in the streets. Like, yep. Do I think, yeah, I highly, based on the guys, and even Marcus Smart, like, not to say that Marcus Smart is like, is like a KG, but I've, I've definitely always gotten the sense that, like, that he, a lot of him doing this stuff is like, he's like an intentional agitator, you know what I mean? Like, part of me feels like he's doing this to get under JR's skin and is not actually trying to set up any kind of fight. I doubt this is even a thing by the time they play again. Or do you, are you yeah, on the other side I, of it? I, I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like these two just don't like each other. And even, no matter how bad these teams are, or this, this team is, Cleveland, and no matter how good the Celtics are, if Marcus Smart and J.R. Smith get tangled up or there's any sort of scrum at all, you can believe they're going to be going at each other. I just I feel like this goes back a little while. Marcus Smart takes pride in in uh, in supporting and defending his teammates, and I think that's probably why he ran three quarters of the court to nail J.R. Smith in the back and defend Aaron Aaron Baines, who by the way doesn't need defending from J.R. Smith. It's it's a, it's such a joke that this has even happened. But um, I, I just I feel like I feel, I feel like Marcus guy. Smart has his guys' backs. And J.R. Smith is just crazy enough to do something silly or stupid and uh, have another fight ensue because of it. How do you feel about that guy? Like the one friend in your circle where every time he sees like a potential or like a fight or an argument will always like jump in and try to get involved himself. Are you, do you, you have positive vibes about that person or negative vibes about that person? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the person. I think depending on who's getting in the fight, I'm probably jumping in there. You know, I'm not doing it for everyone that I know because some people just have to fend for themselves. But if there's, I mean, there were certain friends that I would, that, 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 certain people in general that I would just run to their defense of my family, my my girlfriend, of course, my and some of my close friends. Like, I would get in there, but it depend. It, so, so, but any old person or someone that 
that I just don't really like, like uh, as the case seems here with Smith and Smart. Like me or something? Like you? I mean, I don't know if I'd defend huh. you like that. I don't know if Thanks, I'd buddy. get physical over you, Calvin. I've never even met you before. It's been hundreds of episodes. We've never met face-to-face. This is a, this is a, 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 uh, a, a chink in my armor, if you will. All right. Let's not get you fired from CLNS. Uh, hey, I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, but my, I guess, I guess I've always had the mentality of like, of like, I don't like the person doesn't really matter to me as much as like whether or not like you were wrong. You know what I mean? Like if you, in other oh, words, oh yeah, like, that plays if, into it for sure. Right. If I feel like you are responsible, then I'm less, I'm less inclined to like back you up. And if I feel like you're the victim. Well, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, but on a neutral playing field or someone that I agreed with and was close to, I'd definitely, definitely try and get in there, even right. though I probably can't really hold my own if the, with, with, the, with the other people. Who knows? Who knows if they're even fighting? Right. This is irrelevant. The point is, Jarrett Smith is just enough of a hothead uh, to do something against anyone on the court and have Marcus Smart retaliate because of it. So I don't think this is the last you're going to see of this, but um, – if Marcus is smart, him. he won't get involved. You think he got off easy with a fine like should he missed a game or two? Uh, I thought Marcus was going to get suspended a game, to be honest with you, because it, he came from the complete other end of the court. I think if he had come off the right. bench, he certainly would have been suspended. Uh, oh, yeah. But it was a it was a blindside attack, if you will. And right. I mean, that makes it sound worse than it was. It was two forearms to the back, and then he was ready to, to throw more punches if he had to. Uh, but it was it was completely blindsided. Nobody saw him coming. Nobody saw him coming to even stop him. It took two guys to wrestle him to the ground. So I just I, – I thought he was going to get suspended for a game, and I, I wonder if it happened in the regular season if they would suspend him or if it's just because it happened in the preseason that they're kind of ignoring it and just giving him a fine. Yeah, I, that, that's what I'm wondering, too. I'm wondering if he, yeah, the preseason like got him off easy. I kind of feel like he skated a little bit when I saw that it was just a fine. But, uh, yeah, because I ultimately, like, and it, it wasn't, I, you know, the video didn't make it seem like it was that physically dangerous. I'm not I'm not angry about it so much as I'm like, eh, it's an interesting precedent for the league to, like, not come down a little bit harder on him. But it is what it is. All right. All right, let's go from one fight to another and get this over with because yeah. we got to talk about this. It's one of the random topics yeah. that we always say we're going to talk about certain things. We never get to it. So we're going to get to this one right off the bat here in the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, I didn't see this fight. I didn't even know this fight was happening. But the aftermath that, that happened, I did just see a the, the minute or two. Uh, so, Calvin, why don't you describe what we're talking about, and uh, then we'll go from there. Okay, very. So I think you, you you probably need to know uh, the history of this before we get into this this conversation. So Conor McGregor over the weekend fought uh, Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov. I can't say his name that well. Um, anyway, so Conor McGregor did what he did. Well, first of all, uh, Khabib like got in a confrontation uh, months ago with with someone who's like in part of the same sort of fight camp that Conor McGregor is a part of in a hotel room and, and it, it winded up on or like outside of a hotel room and Khabib kind of like, wasn't in, like intimidating toward him. He was with a group of people. The fighter felt intimidated. 
And there was a video of that incident, and it sort of got released. And Conor McGregor saw that, uh, got irate, and flew down to uh, Vegas. Well, I mean, actually, I think it was New York. I think it, I believe it was New York. Flew down to New York, um, like, like a day before this fight, while they're doing the promotion for this fight that was about to happen. Uh, Khabib was like on a bus with a bunch of other fighters, and Conor McGregor with like a bunch of dudes literally like showed up. And like started trashing this parking lot, like, uh, and one of them threw, a, a, or Connor threw a bench, like through a, uh, through the windshield of a bus. Oh, wait in. a minute. Okay, so I saw that back then. I had no idea this okay. was the same, the same situation. The All same right, guy. Good, yeah. good context yeah. right there. Perfect. So yeah, so so one fighter like got glass in his eye. Another one's got like a bunch of cuts all over his body, and both of those guys were fighting on that card. They had to scrap both of those fights. Um, like a girl feels like she was still traumatized. I wanted to talk about that a few weeks ago, but we just never uh, got around to it. She said she's like, like because she uh, had like a history of abusive relationships, and she like she's like having trouble sleeping and stuff now because she was terrified when the bench went through. Anyway, the point is, is like before this fight now with Khabib, um, the UFC used that in that bus incident. As, as like a promotional tool to be like look look, look how personal it is uh, between these two Khabib Connor uh, went into a rage trying to get at this guy they hate each other um, before the before the fight Connor talked about how uh, Khabib's like a coach uh, said he, he claims that Khabib's coach like had five passports on 9-11 and was like caught in like turn and like oh, turned people in. So he said he caught yeah, and he and he called him uh an effing terrorist snitch. Yeah. He insulted Khabib's father. Okay. He called him a coward. <laughs> insulted insulted his religion. This, see this husband. sounds this sounds like Conor McGregor trying to be in the WWE. That that's it's his persona, right? I mean he just goes after everything that he can and he's not politically correct at all and he's he's uh he's good at what he does. I don't if he was not in character, because that's what this is, I believe. Who knows if he would actually believe these things that he's saying, but he knows that it, it creates controversy, and I think he's a showman. So uh, you have to take him for what he for what he is, right? He's saying these things, you should believe it, because, I mean, even though you, if I think it's a character because it's the UFC and all this and he's on camera and stuff, we don't know him in his personal life, uh, that's what he's – putting out there so that's what he that's the only thing he's giving us to believe right um so it's just right it's crazy that that uh, st- stuff like that doesn't even it's not even a blip on the radar of, of the media right now because of all the other crap that's going on in this country like i don't know calvin it just it, it seems like oh, i no, would have no, heard no, no, about no. that in normal normal i don't know i don't know I don't know. I don't know how you haven't heard about it because it actually was the biggest sports story of the weekend. So I'm surprised be because of what happened in the aftermath. Well, maybe, we'll, we'll get to it. In a oh, is this so, weekend? See, okay. I it was this was last that wedding no, no, it was with just, no with no internet this weekend, basically. So oh, I was gotcha. in the middle of nowhere. Gotcha. Yeah, that's how fast the news moves, man. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It happened on Saturday night. Obviously, by the time Sunday comes around, the NFL is going to take president again, but. Uh, yeah, it was a major story. Like things are still coming out about it because, um, yeah. So he talked all this trash about Khabib, and the thing you need to understand is like Khabib is from uh, Dagestan, which is uh, 
a, temp, a country that's like formerly in the USSR. Um, like he's a guy who like wrestled a bear when he's a kid. There's like there's actual video footage of, him, of like the nine year old him wrestling a bear. He he's like super serious, all right, about about like his religion and he wears like a he wears this hat that's like uh, traditional for his people or whatever. I'm not quite sure what it represents, but. So like he didn't really talk that much trash back to Conor McGregor, but it, like it made him it, it made him angry. He fights Conor McGregor and he dominates him, right? To the extent where like if if all of this stuff in the aftermath didn't happen, then like the big story would be how like Conor McGregor ran his mouth about him and he said like he was gonna knock him out all, the, all these various things like how easy it was, how he sucks, and like it would have just been thrown back in his face and he, he would have which. It, to me, is like the most disappointing thing about it because I don't like Conor McGregor and I, I wanted to see him humbled in that moment. Uh, but instead, um, like uh, uh, what happened was, is Khabib uh, like lets go of the choke because he choked him out to win the fight. He lets go of the choke and then immediately starts yelling uh, back at one of Conor McGregor's like guys on the outside, like one of his trainers who apparently like uh, called him a Muslim uh, piece of crap. You know, another version of that. And and Khabib like runs and jumps out of the ring. You saw the video and like tries literally to fight climbs the cage out of the ring. Yeah, and chases down this guy. Is he starts brawling, smothered by security after they got he was fighting with him. And I, I the thing that is confusing to me. Well, maybe you know what what the situation is. Who is that? The same guy that finds his way away from security to jump into the ring to then start sucker punching Khabib in the back? No, no, no. Uh, different start, give, start different guy. Connor, you mean, right? Oh, someone, someone. I don't know. I, I don't know who was getting hit, but oh, you okay. got some, someone in, from the stands climbed into the cage and started hitting someone from behind. Yeah, those guys were hitting Connor. Those oh, were geez, Khabib's, all right. Yeah, those were Khabib's guys hitting Connor. And I'm not sure which video you saw, but like um, the UFC video kind of just showed Connor getting punched. But, like, there's been, like, updated like, fan videos that show from the other angle that, like, Conor McGregor, because what happened when Khabib went into the crowd to fight that guy, Conor McGregor runs to the cage and looks out to see what's happening. And Khabib, one of Khabib's guys, also is doing the same thing. Conor notices that it's Khabib's guy and takes a swing at him. And then another, when he does that, another one of Khabib's guys, like, runs and jumps in the cage and hits Conor in the back of the head from behind. He climbed the cage as well. He didn't just run through the door. Yeah. He scaled the cage. It, it was yeah. very quick. Scaled the cage, starts punching Conor McGregor in the back of the head. Khabib gets pulled. The security pulls Khabib back in at this point. Um, Dana White tells Khabib, like, I can't put the belt on you because this like this Irish crowd will like riot if I do. So then like under under police guard, Khabib leaves on his way out. Like he gets a bunch of beers thrown at him. And that's that's and scene, and so in in the aftermath of this, that's and that is America, my friend. That's yeah. what that is right there. That's America. So now Man. it's like Khabib like could possibly be suspended. They withheld his purse for now. They're not sure like uh, like what to do about it. Uh, Conor McGregor got his purse. He declined to press charges, and now here we are. So now the reaction to it has been a couple of things. One is the classic, like, think of the children reaction, right? The, the like, the MMA is like, is, this is this is what it is. It's a circus. Like, it was a bad day. I like, like people are gonna see this. And it, like, you should just keep your fighting in the, in the ring. 
And, like, I agree with the keep your fighting in the ring part. But, like, the idea that this is that this is ultimately going to be, like, in, in any way bad for the UFC, I find ridiculous because, like, Conor got so so dominated in that match that if it just ended the way it did, that, that like, there would be no – there'd be nothing to say about, like, his, his value as this, like – their most marketable star would would already be severely diminished. But because this happened in the aftermath, nobody's even going to remember this fight. Conor McGregor's already calling for a rematch. The UFC is going to do the same thing. And there's a reason why I brought this bus incident up. It's because they're going to do the same thing in this bus incident and just show like, you know, like a current affair style, slow motion replays of like Khabib angrily jumping out and like dudes punching McGregor. And then they're just going to hype up this rematch in which a guy already like, in which a guy got dominated to the degree that like a rematch doesn't even make sense because there's there's not really a way for him to do anything different. Yeah, it's just a show. Now. You know what I mean? It's just that they know that they can sell some more tickets because of this controversy and that they're gonna they're gonna have another big payday because of it. And it's Conor McGregor, so he, I mean, he has a big draw in and of his own right. You know, like he's he's massive. He's yeah. he he is the UFC. When who do you think of right now? I've never even heard of Khabib before tonight. So it's yeah, just Andy, yeah, Andy and it, it, it would be hypocritical sure. of them. Uh, it would be hypocritical of them now to even suspend Khabib when they didn't suspend Conor McGregor for throwing a, a bench right. through a bus. They just allowed like New York police to handle it, and even then, like Conor is basically going to escape like any serious charges with that. Like, well, I guess what they, I mean, what they would say from that is that uh, it was out in the parking lot. They have no jurisdiction there, or something. And when it's in in the in and around the ring with their fans sitting right there, that they can take control over suspensions, et cetera. So I, I mean, that would be their I mean, out. But you're right; it it does it would look hypocritical for sure. But it's not because that's not the the, the only incident. John Jones uh, hit a pregnant woman with his with his car and then fled the scene. Had a had a hit and run on a pregnant woman. And was suspended by the UFC for a year for it. Mm-hmm. So like it is a it is a, a they they ha, do have a precedent of like suspending guys. Dana, for Dana White's a big for, Fox News guy though, so I mean maybe maybe he can get away with this now, you know? Maybe. And I just think like not only did they not suspend Connor again, they used the the bus incident video as promotion for the fight itself. You know Brutal. what I mean? So it's like, it'd be super hypocritical for them to to suspend this guy now, and especially we'll because. Yeah, we will see. All right. Especially because of what? Go. No, finish that thought. Uh, uh, I've already lost momentum on it. We're good. Fair enough. All right. Um, so you want to go? Uh, you want to go Odell Beckham here quickly, or? Uh, sure. There's a couple, so, couple of let's do let's do a couple of quick football things, and then a couple of quick basketball things, and then we will talk about the baseball game and series that's going on right now. How about that? We'll go Beckham breeze. Sure. Butler sons. Baseball. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A little Dodgers. I can do a little Dodgers in me. Cause I don't yes. know if you want that, but maybe we'll see. Sure. Uh, so what are we doing? Oh, Beckham. Yeah. Did you, you didn't end up watching any of that interview, right? No, I didn't see this interview with little Wayne. Okay. So, so he's, yeah. So he sat down with NFL countdown. It was a long interview actually. So, that's why I didn't like link you to anything, but he this like seven minute long video where like Odell Beckham is sitting down, uh, you know, wearing an outrageous outfit, like next Little Wayne, also wearing an outrageous outfit. But I didn't, I don't really understand why Little Wayne was there because like 
none of the questions were at. They were like, he, he was like with a, uh, I think it was Justina Anderson. They were like at a legitimate like table, you know, sit sit down a former formal interview, and then it would cut to like video highlights of like Odette doing things, and then Little Wayne's just sitting there at the table next to them, like doing nothing. Like the camera just occasionally panning on his face, and and so first of all, my thought is like, is it really if you're like an NFL star, like does it really add value to like do a serious interview with like a, a rapper sitting next to you? You know what I mean? So like I would uh, immediately off the bat, I was like critical of that, but that's fine. He's there. She's asking him, uh, she's asking the Giants and he's talking about how he, he gets frustrated and he's like, he's on, you know, he just, he wants to win and people think he, it was like all about that, the money and, and it wasn't to him, which I kind of believe because he, he didn't try to hold out or do like things to other, uh, you know, guys who were trying to get a contract of done. Like he showed up, uh, he showed up to OTAs and, you know, it, it was like he never really made public comments about it in the way like a lot of guys have. So whatever, that, that, that is what it is. But he just, he just talks about how like frustrated he is by not winning. And she asks him like, well, is it Eli's fault? And his answer is like, hmm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure. <laughs> and like, so, so yeah, the media has sort of in, and you might say it's fair, right, to say that like for him, but for him not to like defend Eli in that moment is is, is like as damning as him being like, well, no, it's all Eli's fault and, and the quarterback sucks. That's how that's how people are taking it. And like, I don't know. Do you think he he's obligated to defend him? There, I guess is my question. Um, I mean, I mean, he's not obligated to do anything. He can say whatever he wants, and and if he thinks that there maybe he maybe in that situation he's, he'd rather just say i'm not sure instead of no it's not eli uh, and then have a follow-up question because he knows the follow-up question is going to be well if it's not eli then is it you or what's the problem then he has to throw somebody else under the bus uh maybe he just squashes it right there to try and end the follow-up question situation and uh move on i or or maybe you're right maybe he he is implying that it's Eli Manning's problem and he's the one that's that has an issue. Uh Lil Wayne doesn't like him anyway, from what I can what I can tell. He thinks that Eli can improve his game, huh? He thinks that Eli's a fault. I really want yeah, all of Lil Wayne's football analysis. But yeah, here here's So the thing. I Googled I Googled Lil Wayne just because I thought that this would be the first thing that comes up, but no. Uh that's not the first thing that comes up. The first thing that comes up is eleven hours ago Lil Wayne's Atlanta concert ends in mayhem. Pandemonium erupted Sunday night in Atlanta at a Lil Wayne concert that ended with at least a dozen people receiving minor injuries, police said. Calvin, can you believe this? So a bit of a scuffle? There was a scuffle. Someone yelled that gunshots had been fired. Everyone ran out of the, the, the place. Some of them hurt their ankles and got cuts when they tried to jump fences. That's oh, the pandemonium. Glad nothing worse happened because people can get trampled in that kind of scenario. Yeah, concert goers were fleeing in panic. Lil Wayne, this is what happens when you sit down with Odell Beckham Jr. You have a you have a scuffle at your concert. But yeah, here, here's the thing, Rory. I don't think it's Eli Manning's fault. Look, I'm a Giants fan. I think he's actually played. It wasn't his last game. He didn't play that well, but he's actually played pretty well this year. But the offensive line is so bad that like, but they're they're trying. They're like he's been rolling out more. Uh, I would like, yes, I would like for the Giants to 
throw the ball downfield. And like he expressed in this interview, he expressed his frustration with that. He he hasn't been getting touchdowns, although, you know, he threw for one and caught one, one in this last game, but he did the, to be fair, he did the interview before that game. And yeah, they're not throwing the ball to him down the field, but it's not, it's not because Eli can't do it anymore. It's because the offense, they have the worst offensive line in the league. So like, yeah, Nate Solder are already a disastrous signing as far as I'm concerned, but um, I just think I, I, you know what, you know what bothers me about this interview though, and it, it, it's like the big picture. I already, and it, it, it's not just this; it's like one thing after another with this guy, and it, it doesn't make me hate him, but it makes me feel like, like already thinking about his end with the Giants, and like how the second he's not at the top of his game, they're gonna turn their backs on him and and cut him loose, and he's gonna like. I, I basically I'm saying I'm imagining him being Des Bryant, you know what I mean? Like five years hmm. before he's Des Bryant. And that like kind of depresses me. I don't want it to end like that with him, but I kind of see no other way out. And like, they're going to tolerate it as long as he is what he is. And the second he's not, I feel like they're going to give him the boot and it just makes me sad a little bit. Just going to walk away. He's just going to yeah. have to not even play for a little while and find a new team. Wow, I wish I had a, I wish I had like a sad, a sad sounder that I could play here. Yeah, what? I'm wiping the tears away from my eyes as we speak. What could? We don't really have a sad song. I dare you. That's about as. That's about as slow as it beat. gets around here, I think. Uh, yep, it's it's about it. This is this board needs to be updated. Give this. In a while. That's sadder. All right. <laughs> anyway. Right. Yes, it is. <clears throat> it is more sad. You're right. Okay. Um. That's enough about your Giants. Okay. I'm not going to talk about the Patriots tonight because uh, they have they have a lot going on. Right. They are. Uh, they are mediocre right now. They look mediocre. Sunday night's going to be a big, important game. Statement type of game right now. So we'll talk about the Patriots after that game. If they can find a way to give Kansas City their first loss, then maybe we'll get there. Uh, Yeah, they're not mediocre. They threw two fluky interceptions that shouldn't have been, and they would have won that game by 40. They still won by 20. They're good. They're fine. Anyway, go Miami is not mediocre. They're below average, and they just—they—they they were fluky. The Patriots will be fine, of course, but this is a test this weekend. So that—that that, if they can give Kansas City a loss, then that will be something to talk about. If they end up two and three after this one, then I don't know if I—I I don't know if people are going to be too happy about that. We stay with I mean, football though, because Drew Brees just just broke a record and will continue to break that record. He is now the all-time NFL passing yards leader, and. Yeah, part about this story that I want to get to, Calvin, is the fact that he did he broke the record with about I don't know two and a half minutes left in the in the second quarter or something like that. They stopped the game for ten minutes to to have some hoopla and present him with some stuff and uh, a, a, like a printout certificate or something and like they they like did all this stuff. He's shaking hands. People are on the field and. It, it was there was two minutes two and a half minutes left until halftime. They couldn't have waited. They could they had to stall right there after the touchdown pass. They had to do it right then. They couldn't have waited until halftime and just done it at halftime. I just the NFL 
really had a lot of pomp and circumstance about this. And I don't well, my, think that many people even saw it live. My favorite note about that is that the scene, you know, the saints got a 15 yard excessive celebration penalty for that. That's my favorite thing about it <laughs> because it's like, how are you, how are you the NFL going to, going to penalize the saints players for excessive celebration when you had a, a, an actual pause in a live game and you like went out of your way to it. Like, how is that? Why don't you penalize yourself for excessive celebration? That's all I'm saying. Seriously, but, yeah. Give some money to charity because of that awful performance and decision to, to have the celebration in the middle of the game, even though there, there wasn't that much time left. But can you imagine if it had happened with f- like five seconds left and they just said, no, 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 we can't just kick it off and let the other team go to the locker room. We have to, we have to play this out. We have to do the celebration, then kick it off, then go to the locker room. But they've made a different decision since there was a full – Two, two plus plus minutes, and they had to go to the two minute warning. Did they calculate wrong? Did they build a commercial break in there because they thought that it was going to happen? The NFL is just. Uh, this is what I'm going to complain about this this week with them. And I, there hasn't been much to complain about. I will say that the, the football has been good for the first five weeks of the season. Uh, uh, it's been amazing. Four four weeks. Uh, but uh, this no, but... type of thing is just still so ridiculous. Right. Uh, so wait, does the Patriots have a bye already? It, it has been five weeks. Man, I think you maybe oh, they're the, three and two already? Jeez. Yeah, they're three and two already. That's what I was telling you. They're already fine. Um, but, yeah. Shows how much I know. I'm yeah. not even paying attention. Remember when they, they were one and two, and like I even said, like, nah, they're good, man. I was not even buying it. I feel good about that. But anyway, um, my thing with Breeze again, and I'm, I'm going to go historical with it. I think we just talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Maybe we didn't. I, maybe it was somebody else I talked about him with. But, like, he's now the leader in, in all-time leader in yards. Um, Payne Manning beat Brent Favre by, like, 100 yards for his career, right? So he – in that final oh, year in, in Denver – but that final year in Denver, Peyton Manning was, like he – was, he was struggling. I'll just put it that way. And like he he really just sputtered to that finish line. Drew Brees, we're in game five of the season. Drew Brees is going to throw for another two thousand yards or more this season, right? Now he doesn't really look yes. like he's done. He's, nope. And even, even he can if, play next even year. If he, yeah, even if, even if he hits the wall, okay, based on the way he's playing this year, unless like uh, I'm I'm assuming he's going to play. I, I haven't heard any comments to to the otherwise. I don't know about Drew Brees, but he's probably playing at least one more season. He's going to be miles out ahead on in, in, oh, yeah. in the all-time yardage Not even list. Close. Um, he's going probably going to finish his uh, career as the the NFL's all-time leader in touchdowns. I know Tom Brady's like thirty behind him, right? Tom Brady's like right around there too. Um, but yeah, I think if he plays like another two years, he's going to be there. Uh, what is the other major passing record of the yards of touchdowns? Those are, those are the two big ones, right? Am I missing another one? Um, no, the rating or QB per, or completion percentage or some crap like that, but none no, of that those really ones matters. are more. Those, I mean, like the counting ones. I think those are the big ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than like, I guess like you know Payton's consecutive game streak or whatever, Favre's consecutive, but like he's not getting that. But um, so I'm looking and like Drew Brees averages just off the top. Just I don't know. Take out the first few years of his career. Or let's go with yeah. the last 10 years. He's averaging probably 5,000 yards a, a season, or maybe a little bit under that, 4,800, 4,900. So 
just I mean, if he plays just one more year with that average, last year it was down forty three hundred. Uh, that is another five thousand. Let's call it. He's not. Nobody's catching him. Tom Brady doesn't throw the deep ball like he does. Brady may score more touchdowns eventually. Who knows? Brady may have a longer career or he may play into an older age than, than Drew Brees. Brees has not hit 40 yet, and we know that Brady has just recently hit 40. So, um, but What's the we, age gap we, between them? I think two it's years, just a few months or like, let's see. I'll, I'll find out. Uh, Brees, more, what the hell? Uh, January 15th, 1979. And Brady is August 3rd, 1977. So actually, Brady just turned 41. And Brees right. uh, is going to turn 40 this season. So okay. they're a year and a half behind each other or so. Right. Um, right. Okay. But even so, like, if, so if, say that, say Drew Brees plays to be the age that Tom Brady ends up playing to be, say they both retire at 44. Breeze is going to have like 12 to 15,000 more yards than him just because he and throws probably, for a couple thousand more yards right. than Brady does each year. The touchdowns is the question, and I still don't think that Brady would catch him in that situation because a lot of those bombs he throws end up being touchdowns just inherently. Right. So I just I, – I don't see how anyone uh, who – uses stats as their basis for players that are uh, for ranking players, I should say in the, in history uh, would put Brady ahead of, of breeze aside from Super Bowl wins. And if breeze was in a different situation, imagine if, if they swapped spots, Brady would probably be not that great above average quarterback. And breeze would have won seven Super Bowls in my opinion with Bill Belichick. So crazy. Well, this is where I'm good. This is where I'm going with this. Look, Hubris has a Super Bowl. It's not like he's not Dan Marino, right? Why, why has he been completely left out of this conversation? He's, he's, and I know because look, I know Brady has his Super Bowls, and that's like how he how he gets it. But like Peyton Manning has also been in the conversation, just even without Super Bowls, as like like who right. is who is good, who's the best. Uh, I know part of it might be like okay, Hubris plays in New Orleans. My, the only thing I can think of, which it seems yeah. entirely unfair to Drew Brees, the only thing I can think of is the fact that because Drew Brees is small, because he's 5'10", I, <laughs> or maybe 5'10 at best, right? It, maybe it just feels like Drew Brees is like just less impressive like, like physically, and because of that, like it doesn't seem right to – but I'm not saying hmm. he's the best quarterback of all time. No. But, but, but what, I wouldn't but, go what I'm that. saying is – but what I'm saying is, I feel like he's he's worthy of being discussed in this in, in the, even like Aaron Rodgers is you know gets put in this conversation of like the, yeah the and he's, he's got a long time. way to go. I I, I really look. I, I part of me would be really interested to see the Saints win another Super Bowl before he before he goes, and that team is good this year. Not not saying they're they're good enough to go, but like yeah, if he if he won a second Super Bowl. Like I, because the conversation would all then be about him in that moment, right? Because that's that's what happens when a team wins a Super Bowl. Like everyone just, uh, I remember when when uh, the Ravens won a Super Bowl, the conversation shifted to like, now is Joe Flacco the best quarterback in the NFL? And that was Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> is he elite? So yes, was, but that was yeah. The, is Joe Flacco? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Is, 
It's Joe Flacco Elite. You're right. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, but there were guys who were saying he was the best, and I was like, "Are you? Are we being no. for reals right now?" But <laughs> but I, but Drew Brees, if he won another Super Bowl, it's like he would finally get that due. In a way, I mean, I, I I don't know. I still feel like he I don't he should already be getting due that he's not getting. I guess that's where I'm at. He, he needs yeah, more so due. I, my, I need a little, I need a little be, more does due. He, does he want it? Does he actually? Maybe he's just so humble, and that's he's just he. Every time I see him on TV, he comes across as a family man, and he's just wants to do well by people around him and, and his teammates, etc. Whereas Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, are, they're always selling something. Aaron Rodgers is always selling something, it seems. Maybe it's just that Drew Brees doesn't want the spotlight and he just wants to go out and perform and, and let people debate about it, and he doesn't care. I mean, I, I don't know. Actually, I'm just putting that out there. I don't know him personally, obviously, but it just it seems like uh, he he's not marketing – he's not – marketed very well or maybe he's not marketable but i just uh, he he seems humble to me and that might have something to do with it that is an interesting actual point in terms of like the fact that he's less out there than than brady and uh and peyton manning have been although counterpoint that i'd argue that brady until the last couple of years when tom brady tom tom brady like realized that he had a mind of his own and like and was able to like say his own things has quietly been like for the majority of his career. Tom Brady has essentially been like under like like under the the, the strongly tied down canopy of Bill Belichick. And like sure, I really didn't like. Yes, he's he was you know he's dating Michelle Moynihan and then he married a supermodel. We knew those facts about him, but it's not like he. But Tom Brady wasn't. It's not like Tom Brady's out there doing all kinds of like advertisements or like. You really see that much of Tom. I, I guess with the Tom Brady thing, there's the there's the like, oh look how good looking Tom Brady is. But like you, mm. you never really like knew much head. about what. Yeah, but I never really like knew very much about what like Tom Brady was like as a person, other than like giving giving you know robotic sports cliche answers to questions for like the, until like the last like I'm I'm gonna feel less than five years. I want to say like the last three years. I just finally realized that yeah. Tom Brady like was his own dude. No, it's been it's been the last few years where Giselle has sort of been more in the forefront of things, and uh, the kids are getting older, so he's showing the, the 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 kids growing up on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all this, and he would, he would put his he would he would put his cartoons out there. Uh, now he's he's putting Facebook videos out there to basically be a memoir for himself. It seems the whole Alex Guerrero situation. Uh, right. That he doesn't even talk about, except for in his own private way, when he when he controls the message, it's all it, it's all coming out recently, and I think that's part of the part of the frustration with that Bill Belichick may have had, uh, and the media really around here really gets at those guys. So you kind of have to be a robot, and Brady that still doesn't really talk to the media about that stuff. He's still a robot in front of the New England Patriots media the horde that shows up down at Gillette every, every weekend. Uh, but he controls the message in his own way. And I think that's where you're sort of getting the view into who he might actually be, which. Right. The, I mean, I'm only bringing this up in, in context to breeze right now. Me, yeah. me saying that like, well, well, Brady himself hasn't really like the things of things. I was like, well, you know, you have a good point about, about breeze sort of being a, a bit of an introvert, but I think Brady throughout his career 
even even if he's not actually introverted, has sort of been that under Belichick's watch anyway. So like, yeah, I can't that, yeah. I can't really be using that as the reason. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird the, yeah, the way maybe, we, maybe in the it's NFL just a Super Bowl thing. I I don't know. Yeah, um, the way everything every single thing gets hyped in the NFL. The the lack of hype around Drew Brees com- comparatively, it's just it's 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 really weird at this point. That's all. Yeah, it's undeserved. He, he should definitely be hyped. He and that's yeah. what we're trying to do around here. For forty eight hundred yards a year, something like that. Forty five hundred yeah. if you include his entire career. Or something. And I'm just looking at the numbers. I'm not calculating anything. But either way, Plus he's super fun. He's so fun to watch. He is fun. A lot of touchdowns. I mean, good quarterback. Come on, you, give him, you give him that, the credit he, he deserves. You see that the Atlanta game, that that Atlanta game from a couple weeks ago, where he like he spun around off two defenders and dived. Yeah, in for he could still get it done. That, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, could still right. get it done. All right, let's let's flip over to a couple of quick basketball topics, and then we'll end with the Red Sox. Um, my guy Jimmy Butler just losing points rapidly. I'm staring at – I'm looking at my fantasy basketball draft the other night. I'm staring at Jimmy Butler's name in, like, the seventh round. I'm like, wait, do I – I even want to take a chance on this guy. Is he even going to play? Is he going to play for Minnesota? And if he does, is he going to be any good? Are they going to give him the ball? The team's going to be bad. Is the coach going to play him? It just it, – it looks worse and worse for Butler every time a news article comes out about his situation. He wants, uh, he wants the team to trade him by Friday – or what? What is he going to do? Sit out? This, Wait, this, how many, this seems unprecedented. I mean, I, mean, I hate to, to – nobody likes uh, fantasy talk, but now i got to know. Like, what, who are the other guys who are on the board around this time? How do you – what, do you no, think Jimmy Butler's not going to play? Like, how do you, how do you not take Jimmy Butler? The seventh round is, is an exaggeration. If you want me to go uh, pull the particulars, I will. But what the point no, is sure. that he oh. – He's setting this deadline. I'm just wondering, like, like, what are the the types of guys that you were, like, thinking of between Jimmy Butler? I'm just wondering, like, how far he fell in your estimation. Like, you wouldn't think if you're, like, like, uh, Jokic or Jimmy Butler. No, Jokic is, is, like, more sound. But if you're, you're like, uh, if you're, like, hmm, Markel Fultz or Jimmy Butler, then I'm, like, what the hell is happening here? That's not the way it went. That's not the way it went. Let me see here. What is happening? Draft analysis, draft results. That's what I'm looking for. Here we go. Oh, yeah. What's your draft grade, buddy? They had me in the middle. All right. He went in the fourth round, actually. Okay. And I took Jason Tatum ahead of him. Oof. Interesting. I don't know if I like that. I wasn't trusting Butler, and uh, I – I don't know. DeRozan was there still too, but I never, I've never really liked him as a as a fantasy player. Um. Okay. Fair enough. So. CJ McCollum was there. Bledsoe, Blake Griffin, Tobias Harris. Like I don't know. I I went Tatum over Butler. That's all. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um. Yeah. So I just think I think it's funny that the the story is now out there that he he has he's setting a Friday deadline to be traded. Um. Yeah, I, as we know, I, don't, I didn't put this in the thing, but so maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but uh, they, that they had a deal like in, basically in place with the Heat, but it fell apart at the last second. Um, yeah, I, I want to know why yeah. that fell apart. Because 
I just saw a succession of tweets that said that they got the medical records and then, then it fell apart. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of medical issue that nobody is disclosing here. I mean, Butler does have a history of injuries and he does play hard. So, like, yeah, uh, I can understand why that would be the case. But, um, yeah, I, I, I also want to know the actual particulars of, like, the trade they agreed on. Because the reports were that, the, like, that the, the Timberwolves were asking for Bam out of Io and Josh Richardson and dubbing Ding's contract. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't see it at this point, right? Like, for leverage reasons – that the Timberwolves are possibly going to get out of this with like even a semi-competent deal. And and by the way, the Friday deadline is so dumb because like, okay, uh, the Timberwolves don't trade Jimmy Butler by Friday. So what, so like, what is Jimmy Butler going to do? Like, what's the, what's the end result of this, of this like threat? What, he's right. not going to play. He's not going to play. That's he, my he, question. Yeah. If he, if he doesn't play, his value goes to, first of all, uh, I think I think if you're if you're healthy and you choose not to play in the NBA, did, does doesn't your your contract roll over? Or am I wrong about this? I can't remember. I know in some leagues it does, but like you I wish I wish I knew I wish I knew that nuance of the CBA. Right. If think, maybe I if Google to, tells me in the next thirty seconds, I'll let you know. If if I remember correctly, you have to pay play ten games. Hmm, could be wrong for your contract to, to lock in. Remember that from uh, the Steve Nash scenario, but I could be wrong. Um, I, you know, the CBA is always changing. But re- regardless, look, if he sits down, out, his value is going to go down. And in basketball, like not playing, your your skills are very right. And more importantly, Jimmy, the, the whole thing is Jimmy Butler not trying to be a free agent, right? He wants to be traded to a team who can offer him a max contract and is going to be willing to so he can get the five-year. He has, he literally has no leverage, and by sitting out and refusing to play, he's also making his own trade value go down even farther, thus making it harder for them to trade him anyway. So, like, what what kind what kind of threat is that? That's that's what's funny to me. It's like, you, what? All right, you have until Friday. If I was the Timberwolves, I wouldn't even I would hang up every call until Saturday morning just to see what happens. What's he going to do? Does he know something about? Uh, uh, Taylor's wife, or like, what? What does he know? Like, what, what does he got? Yeah, he's got I, mean, I just, I really, I don't understand it either. This is that's my question right off the bat. I, I don't, I don't get it. What, what is he getting out of this? He, he wants a big deal. He doesn't. He's not going to sit out. I mean, I guess his his contract is going to be somewhat guaranteed. I, I would think, but if it's not then he's literally getting nothing out of it maybe he's willing to take the the discounted rate or whatever it may come out of him holding out for a certain amount of time um no but, I, I know unless it unless it could go to a buyout it is the contract is guaranteed but i what i don't know is like if he if he like refuses to play in any games is there any sort of relief yeah there may but, be some sort of fine or suspension or something like that tech, so he can they they can technically say that he's uh, conduct detrimental to the team or something and they can hold, withhold his pay or something like that. But I, w- I would find it hard to believe that they'd be able to do that for the entire season. Uh, especially if he starts to realize that he's not going to get traded or something like that. He'd obviously want to play. And even if, even if he's inactive at that point, he would, I, I believe, get his money. So it's, it's it just, and the coach wants him to play. Tom Thibodeau wants him to play. And it, it, that just makes it even more 
of a baffling situation. I don't know why this all-star talent is just deciding not to play with other talented players. It's not like they are going to be a horrible team this year. They're going to lose a bunch of games. They have good young players and they showed some promise last year. So I just don't, I don't know where this guy's coming from. I wish he would just play it out because I loved him as a player and I'm, I lose respect for him every time I see a story about this situation. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, do we, do we have anything else before baseball? I can't remember. We get no, just the uh, the Ryan McDonough situation in Phoenix. They fired oh, yeah. their GM. Right. He's been kind That's of right. incompetent. The team has been terrible for a long time. He makes bad trades. He he uh, just has a record of not being able to get anything back for players that he thinks aren't, aren't that great. And then those players turning out to be pretty good. So um, wasn't Ryan McDonough? The, my only I, thing actually, on that he, is that I don't. I'm not surprised, but he came from the Celtics, so there's that connection there, which kind of confuses me. Right. He was like an Ainge protege, right? Yeah, Ainge and Zarin, those guys loved Ryan McDonough. Okay, so here, here's my here's my thing on this. Like, yeah, Ryan McDonough, terrible GM, right? We get it. He first tried to first he tried to do the three point guard thing uh, with with Isaiah Thomas and Dragic and Eric Bledsoe. Didn't work out. So he yeah he nope. traded the two durable ones and kept the women who get injured all the time. <laughs> that right. that didn't work out. Uh, this this off season he. Yeah, he, they had the first pick in the draft. They took Aiden, right? They they traded for the the super maligned Ryan Anderson in Houston, right? But they but and they traded off like one of their young one of their top five draft picks in Marquise Chris for him, even a, a pick who's also been a bust, right? Uh, yeah, they also got Dragon Bender in the top five of the draft, and he's been a super bust. Oh, man, I just I just thought of a con- Alex, a potential conspiracy theory here. Do you think like, that oh, yeah, Danny nice. Ainge's situation in Phoenix was bad as a player and that he sent Ryan McDonough to tank the Phoenix Suns? How awesome would that know. be? I don't know. I, I like it. But do you do you know for a fact it was bad or, or is that, that speculation? No, that's part of the no I know nothing. Uh, I'm just speculating. Uh, that's nice. what, I like the way it. I like my it. brain works. Look, I know I love a good conspiracy this, theory and I'm always trying yeah, to match them up. I was about to say, you know I love wild speculation. Um Right. That's what but we no, do around here. We just we just throw right. things around and wonder if they're true. No, but he, so he, so here's the thing. Yeah, he was he was a terrible GM, right? But here but what I don't get is if he was a terrible GM, why didn't they why didn't they fire him when the off season starts? Why do they allow him to pay Trevor Ariza, uh, a thirty five year old small forward who, yeah, he played pretty well in Houston, but doesn't make sense on the worst team in the NBA last year when he's only going to be good for, uh, you know, if he's good for, what, the next year max, but, like, that just pushes the Suns, especially in the Western Conference when there's a 0% chance the Suns are going to be competitive. So, one, why do you trade for Ryan Anderson and his Albatross contract, giving up, like, your young player who's, yeah, probably never going to be good, but, like, there's, there's the off chance that he is, right? So like, but and at least at least that guy like fits with the timeline of the, of this being a young team. You do that. So you 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 sign Trevor Ariza to a fifteen million dollar contract. Yeah, it makes Houston worse. So I guess if you hate Houston, that's good. But like, other than that, what is that doing for your team? All of those are dumb well, moves. The, the only thing yeah, that I right. can see that or that I could even think of is that supposedly the owner Robert Sarver is starting to pay attention to the team again. So maybe he was having a great summer and he was just not caring what was going on. And he said, all right, what do we got here? 
and he walked into his office and he saw their roster and he saw their assets and he said, what the hell happened? And he said, everybody's out. And he started to, to clean house. That's the, that's the only potential situation that I can think of. Uh, and in well, that regard, that's just po- points to the owner. That, yeah. That I owner. Say, you know how, you know how poor, I mean, this reflects poorly on the owner anyway. That's my point. Either way. Yeah. Right. I mean, yes, he, he probably yes. shouldn't have, he should, he should not have paid Devin Booker a full year before he had to uh, give, nope. give him essentially a super max, um, not a super max, but like a max, uh, the, the max that, that the max that Booker can get essentially like a, a year before he had to give him one, this, his own injury history and the fact that he's like, Oh, never he scored 70 points. Played, played defense. Yeah. So he does all these <laughs> things, but like, but I, my thing is like, I'm not saying he's good, but firing him eight days before the season like Weird. it basically you you're basically saying like you you you're basically telling your season ticket holders and your like you know regular game purchasers that like wow this team is already disappointing before we play even before we played a, a regular season game and like we just they just hired a new head coach so now you so now that whoever this new GM is which by the way the front runner is James Jones that's yep, that that's reportedly James Jones yep yeah that's already hilarious to me like like James Jones is already ha- you think he has enough experience already to be a, a GM, but whatever. Uh, you well, hire he's been Jones, learning from LeBron James for the past 15 years, right? Yeah. You, you don't hire know. James Jones. That, that's fine. So now James Jones had to, has to go into this situation with a new head, a new head coach that he didn't hire. So it's going to be already hard to fire this guy after one year, right? New head coach that he didn't hire, draft picks that he wasn't allowed to make, and not not just the eight and one, but uh, he he made a trade for uh, Bridges. Yeah. So. He didn't get to be involved in that. He didn't get to be involved in the Ariza signing or the Ryan Anderson trade. Now he's stuck with Ryan Anderson. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, to, to my mind, at least uh, either allow McDonough to, like, sit through a part of the season under the idea of, like, well, maybe this team outperforms expectations and, like, he finally turns the corner. Or you or really what you should have done is fire him months ago so your GM actually has a chance to do something instead of, like, the completely screwed up situation you're in now of like this yeah. guy being screwed. Nope. They've, they've got, they've tanked their season again. And that's, that's the bottom yeah. line. The Suns are done again and we'll see what happens next year. Probably oh, not. I got a conspiracy theory. I, here's my conspiracy Go for theory. It. They knew McDonough was going to screw it up and suck. And they, but they also knew the Suns weren't going to be good. So they just let McDonough hang around again so he could set up this team for total failure and thus get another <laughs> high draft pick. That's a and good one. Now the I like GM, that. The new, GM, the new GM takes no blame now because McDonough's already screwed it up. And they actually have a whole year to to decide who the new GM is going to be. Maybe there'll be a test at uh, at the trade deadline. Whoever comes up with the best trade between James Jones and, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Trevor Buckstein, Buckstein, I don't know how to pronounce his name, there will be two interim GMs. And uh, Woj also says to watch Kevin McHale long-term. Maybe he'll be there, but maybe it'll be a test. Maybe it'll be a, a hunger games of sorts in the Phoenix Suns offices to see who is the next Phoenix Suns GM. Wouldn't that be something? They should do like feats of strength. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like who can, who yeah. can bend who can a desk like, yeah. in half and, and who can right, like, exactly. rip, rip uh, the phone book. Yeah. Sure. Rip the phone book or like a, Carry the, refri- the office refrigerator down the hall, something like yeah. that. Sure, I'm down with that. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how much time Baseball, we're going to spend huh? on this, but uh, yeah, it, let's let's just dig into this a little bit. And 
to properly set, set the mood, uh, I will I will play the celebration song. Preempt, perhaps. I don't even know what the score is uh, right I mean, now. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What you're, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. You're separating. I don't like the mood. Celebrating from last night. I don't like it. I'm celebrating last night because that's what everybody's doing around here, right? Everybody's going crazy. Woo! Wee! Oh, look at me! I'm going down the roller coaster. Oh, the Red Sox won 16 to one in New York last night, and everybody's losing their minds. Calvin. Well, they're up four to one right now, and it, it is yeah, bottom yeah. of the sixth. So they they have backed themselves up right now, and we'll see if they can pull this out in the last few innings. But the point is, before this show, before this game five or game four tonight, people were going nuts on the radio, on Twitter, loving the fact that that uh, the Red Sox won this game last night in historic fashion, uh, hitting against a backup catcher in the ninth inning and they just listen the point is pump the brakes a little bit here pump pump the brakes because even though it looks right now knock on wood that they're about to win this series and move on to the al championship series against houston houston is better than new york houston is an excellent baseball team houston just swept the team that might have beaten the boston red sox the cleveland indians houston is the team to beat here. So I just don't want people to get too high on this Red Sox situation until they show something against the Astros because that's the series that you need to worry about if you want to get to the big one. And the big, the one thing that I, I liked in past years from guys like Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts, uh, I didn't really like uh, after game two or game three, I should say. Uh, Betts was asked what he thought about the game, and he said, well, the first year I was here, we didn't win a game. Last year, we won one game, and now we've won two games in in the playoffs. So he was excited about winning his second playoff game. And I I just – I want them to be focused on the bigger picture and not get too high on things. And it seems like tonight they're doing fine with that, but I worry about a, a series against the Houston Astros because that team is solid. Well. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, they they were super excited about the 16-1, thinking, like, that's going to carry over somehow, or was it just, like, the fact that they were being, doing that to the Yankees, and, you know, they hate no, the Yankees it looked, or whatever? No, it looked to was, me like it was, it was uh, just them, like, the Red Sox themselves were just celebrating really a little bit too much after that beatdown oh, last gotcha. night. Oh, gotcha. I thought you meant, I thought you meant people, people in Boston. No, well, I'm, people on Twitter and, and on the radio, people seem to be getting high on on the fact that the Celtics were, or not, not the Celtics, the Red Sox were about to win this series when there was another game tonight that they had to actually figure out a way to win. Uh, and Porcello has come out strong tonight. The uh, the bullpen hopefully holds up here. Porcello's not in the game anymore. We got Matt Barnes on the mound, but. Uh, the the bullpen is is a is a question and a problem for the Boston Red Sox right now, it really is, and that was the thing that sort of made me pause even after they had such an impressive win last night. And we don't need to talk about the particulars. I watched the the entire thing. This is the probably the first baseball game that I've watched literally from start to finish in the last four or five years, and it, it, they 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 have my attention again. And it was a great game, but. 
I still feel like there's work to be done. And even if you want to look past tonight's game against the Yankees, the next series is even more difficult. Yeah. Well, to to me, one, first of all, like, uh, let's not take away from the fact that in, in like, this is the way baseball set up and it's fine. And like, and the, the the Red Sox get credit for winning their division, right? But like the 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 way it sets up right now, the wild card teams in in these playoffs are at such a disadvantage. And I know like the Rockies went to the World Series, uh, you know, however long ago, and like there's been a couple of wild card teams who have made it. But like it's so hard because your your pitching staff is like just gets you know mess with you, lose your ace or whoever you want to throw in that scenario, and you're already behind the eight ball. Guys have to go on short rest. I you know you know I watched the the, the Brewers carve up the Rockies, um, although that series like in terms of like run production was actually kind of close, and but ultimately like their their entire sort of pitching staff was out of whack for that series, and I feel sort of the same way about the Yankees, even though they're like more you know relying on this bullpenning thing, which I want to talk about in a second too, um, but yeah I I saw an article that said like the Astros sweep of the Indians in terms of like the difference in like on base percentage and like slugging in, in terms of like, I think even runs, it was like one of the war, one of like the biggest ass kick, kickings of all time. So that's a thing, right? I mean, the Astros, you're right to me are the favorite, regardless of who comes out of the series, probably the Red Sox. It was just because of their starting pitching the rock. The Astros are probably the favorite to win the world series. Right. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. But it's, it's weird how anticlimactic this, this, uh, division series round has been like the Dodgers beat the Braves really easily as well. Uh, and sort of like the, yeah, the, the, the Rocky series was a sweep with the Brewers and hopefully this next round will be better because like, I, uh, yeah, the baseball really hasn't been that competitive, but I, see yeah, I, I mean, teams. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen out there in the NL. I guess the Dodgers are probably going to take it down. I, I just, but the Red Sox right now, they just, I don't know. Houston looks too good. They just look too good. And I feel like even though the Red Sox have some solid starting pitching, especially if, if David Price is not pitching against the, against the Yankees, he might have a better time uh, on the mound. He might be more relaxed. He might be able to take some deep breaths and not have the yips. Uh, but the Astros just seem like the, a more well-rounded team. And if they could find a way to get into the Red Sox bullpen, I would give them the edge in any series. I'd give them the edge in a, in a 12 game series, a 13 game series. It doesn't matter. I'd probably go with the Astros in that situation. So the longer uh, series goes, the better it favors a better team, right? I would say so. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. So here's my, here's my thing about this bullpenning. And we, we see, we saw it. I'm glad you mentioned that 16 to one game. Cause yeah, I don't grant you that the Yankees like, didn't use any of their best relievers in that game, and smartly so, right? Because the game was essentially every game. There's no point in right. Like, oh, wasting, he gave wasting up. your good guts. Yeah, he made it. Yeah, they gave, Aaron they, Boone made it. They gave up to, and, to go to the, yeah, to the it, bums. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not like we saw. You saw Zach Britton in that game. Um, but that's that being said, my thing with this bullpenning is like, I feel like it's going too far. Not to, like I look. I agree. You don't want. I, I understand the notion of like when a, a, a player like sees a starting pitcher for the third time, he starts figuring him out uh, and like, that's like, it's good to take him out by that point. That part's fine. But, but like we've gotten to the point where like teams are just doing the straight bullpen games, right. And not having a starter. 
And when you're doing a bullpen game for nine innings, or like, you know, even when you pull your starter after two and you, you know, you need like five or six relievers, like you, you essentially then to get through the game, like granted those, those might all five be good relievers. Although even like teams with good bullpens, like don't have that many good relievers. Right. Or at least like elite relievers you might, but you might have, yep. maybe you do have five good relievers but in that scenario. In, in that scenario, you're also relying on all five of them to not have off nights in the in the amped up atmosphere of the playoffs. You know what I mean? You're relying on all of them to like to not none of them to struggle with their control. I just feel like the nature of pitching itself is like there's enough variance that like every time you add a new guy to this scenario, like you're creating the chance. And I I feel like we end up seeing it every year. Like there's a dominant closer who like looks terrible in, in a major decisive playoff game. Sure. And when you, when you, when you bring in six, like and even starters will like in, in the playoffs, you see them like have a bad first inning and then settle down and then pitch well. Right. But so if you're doing, if you're doing that with six dudes, I don't know the it's like over the long well, run, the odds are like one of those dudes is going to mess up. Yes. I would agree with that. Uh, but I also feel like, certain teams are they've put themselves in a situation where they have to do that because they don't trust guys to go out there with yeah. just a bunch of stuff like Nathan Evaldi, Alex Cora said tonight or not tonight, but last night that he just before the game yesterday, he, he trusted Nathan Evaldi's stuff. And he said that he, he, he trusted the fact that he was going to be close enough to the strike zone, even if he was missing his spot, that it would be high enough in the velocity because he was going to be throwing 99 or a hundred, which he did consistently last night. Uh, that he trusted his stuff enough that it, it wouldn't matter and that he was going to get swings and misses or swings and, and little dinkers, which is what he was basically getting all night. And uh, uh, so they they trusted the starter to go out there and be able to do that. But so many teams in the league don't have three or four starters like the Red Sox uh, or like the Dodgers do to be able to go out there and throw six to seven innings every night. And, when you start getting into the bullpen, that's when you get into a problem, which is why uh, Porcello going five innings tonight. It, I mean, it looks good so far. They just got through the sixth. So we'll have to wait and see if they can get through the next three. But I mean, five is probably not going to be enough against a team like Houston. I feel like they would batter this Red Sox bullpen. So that's where the bullpenning thing doesn't really work out. But I think for the future of baseball, if you start to train guys to have a, a more open approach to pitching and not be so mentally locked into, I'm going to pitch the sixth inning, I'm going to pitch the ninth inning, I'm going to pitch the first five innings, and just be able to pitch whenever, it will make pitching better in baseball. And you may be able to see this sort of rotation of pitchers come in and have everybody throw a couple innings here, a couple innings there. And guys might have longer careers because of it. They may be able to, uh, I mean, managers would have to sort of pick and choose and be able to understand their team a little bit better. And there'd be more scouting that goes into lineups and things like that. But I just, I feel like it might make pitchers arms be a little bit more stable. And if you start training that early, it's, it, to me, it seems like a pretty good idea. I do. I do like the devaluing of the ninth inning in that sense. And like, because the best time to use your closer, you really should be like when the when the, the middle of the order comes up for the other team, right? Or just in high leverage situations. Um, you know, I, I think like just doing stats into like what which guys can pitch with guys on base 
you know, so when you have to have pull a guy, all those things, like, yep. I, I like yeah. the, the direction. I, I'm not, like, being an anti-sabermetrics uh, guy right now when I'm questioning the, the way bullpen games are being used. It's more a matter of I'm questioning, like, <clears throat> I'm questioning, like, in, in the playoffs, the the wisdom of, of, like, relying on eight different guys. And, you're, yeah, you're right. Part, part of it is the fact that a lot of teams don't have starters they can rely on, particularly the Brewers, who are which is why I don't, you know, I don't see them winning this series with the Dodgers. Although it, it, because it's baseball, anything could happen. I can easily be wrong. That's the thing. Like you can, you know, I think this, the Astros are better than anyone. But yeah, the, the Red Sox or anybody could beat them as well because that's what baseball is. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Unless you want to dive yeah. further into the Dodgers. No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Baseball talk there, huh? Yeah, baseball for 15 minutes baseball, on the show. Guys. Can you believe it? It's yeah. playoff fever. i got to go catch the end of this game. All right, good luck, buddy. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. This was Careless Whispers. Good night, everyone. <laughs>